Welcome to another episode about Indiana politics. I'm Deb Chubb, and we are very lucky to have with us uh, the foremost expert on redistricting and voter access issues in general uh, in Indiana, uh, Julia Vaughn from Common Cause Indiana. So um, Julia, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, get in on the screening of the Uncivil War documentary that the League of Women Voters of Indiana uh, put out last night. And I'll tell you, it was, you know, it was depressing. So, um, but I do want to say, I want to um, promote the the film. I think it was a very good film. And of course, Julie stars in there, along with her dog. And, uh, and I understand that might be up for some award. Is that right? Yeah, it's been nominated uh, for some sort of category uh, in documentaries. Um, and I should mention that the filmmaker, Tom Glenn, is a Hoosier native. He grew up over in Richmond, Indiana, uh, graduated from the laboratory school at Ball State University in Muncie. So, um, yeah, it was just a fun thing to take part in. And um, But we really need to give a lot of credit to Tom. And then the Bertelsmann Foundation, which provided the funding to make the whole thing possible. So highly recommended. Um, it is a sobering story. I mean, they tell the uh, story of gerrymandering here in Indiana, but also there's a long segment regarding Mississippi and voter suppression down there. And so, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that Indiana gets included in a documentary about voter suppression, uh, but certainly, um, you know, they chose to focus on gerrymandering, but we have other issues here that impact Hoosier's ability to vote. Uh, the cold hard truth is, uh, I believe we are the fifth hardest state to vote in. Uh, we erect an awful lot of barriers that shouldn't be there, but we're in the fight working to tear those down and making sure this session that more are not erected because, you know, uh, turnout did go up here in Indiana. Unfortunately, it didn't go up as much as some other places. So we continue to rank in the bottom 10. Uh, but, you know, there are some folks out there who, who don't like to see rising levels of voter participation uh, because it cuts into their margins. So unfortunately, we've got to be forever vigilant about protecting democracy here in the Hoosier State. That's, yes. And, I'm, and I just applaud you for all the work you've done. Uh, I have seen you speak at countless events for League of Women Voters over the last 10 years, talking about the impending uh, redistricting that was that will be coming up uh, this year. Um, we, you know, saw lots of lawsuits come and go. We didn't get anywhere, and now we're in this position where the uh, Republican supermajority will uh, redraw the maps in Indiana. And so uh, that's disappointing. And no one could get a bill passed all these years to do an independent district uh, district drawing. So um, just to, you know, give the basics. Every ten years, there's a census. And the census figures are used to redraw political districts such that each representative represents somewhere around the same number of people. Um, but it has been used um, by both parties over the years uh, to just to make sure that incumbents keep their seats so that their elections are less competitive. And that is where this all goes off the rails. So that has been the problem. And as we know, in Indiana, we are, I think, and you'll correct me, I don't know, fifth worst gerrymandered state in the country is what I think I've heard. 
If you apply the efficiency gap, which is a measurement that was developed at the University of Chicago by some political scientists, yes, it, it uses a past election results. And they found that Indiana, our House district, state legislative districts were among the most partisan gerrymandered in the country. Right. So that's all very sad and, um, and um, disappointing, but you have persevered through all of this uh, to continue trying. And now you are putting together this outstanding project that I think is gonna be very impactful. Um, many people don't understand redistricting. They don't understand the process. They don't, you know, it's kind of hard to believe, frankly, that it is so easy to manipulate um, by the party in majority and the state house after a census. I mean, that it just, it's hard to really get your head around that. So, uh, and, and that it's so uh, opaque that nobody, see, nobody ever sees it's happen, what's happening, no one's involved. It's a very closed process. And so what you're doing is really defying all of those terrible things about redistricting with your new project. So, um, so basically you're doing a public redistricting project, but I want you to tell us about it. Tell us first about the commission that you've put together to start working on this and then the process. Right. Well, uh, yeah, as you said, unfortunately, we weren't able to convince the supermajority inside the Indiana State House to pass redistricting reform. So we were stuck. We had to come up with some way to impact the process in 2021. So we came up with the idea of creating a model redistricting commission and a public mapping competition. You know, let's show legislators and let's show the public the ideal way that redistricting should be done by a multipartisan group of people that are diverse and representative of Indiana voters that conducts an open and transparent process that engages in a conversation with Indiana voters about the criteria that should drive the redistricting process because that's one of the problems. Legislators don't have much of a roadmap other than equal population, respect for the Voting Rights Act and contiguity. They have no instructions in terms of how do you do redistricting. And so it needs to be guided by certain nonpartisan criteria like compactness, competition. Uh, do you draw districts incumbent blind or do you draw them around the incumbents? So our Citizens Redistricting Commission, which we held a competitive process uh, to select these diverse members, we were looking for three Democrats, three Republicans, three people who are neither Republican nor Democrat to sit on this co commission, engage in this conversation with Hoosier voters and ask them, what do you think is important what should drive the drawing of new districts in 2021? And also, what are the important communities of interest in Indiana and how should they be treated for purposes of the new map? So that's the first part of the project. We're gonna be starting these public meetings later on in February, and we're organizing them by congressional district. So you'll be able to join with your neighbors and again, have this virtual discussion with this multipartisan group of Hoosiers that's very diverse, looks like Hoosier voters, about what should drive this process, what are the communities of interest in our state. After we have all nine hearings in each of the congressional districts, we'll compile this public testimony together 
and we'll publish the results of our poll. We're actually gonna ask people to rank the redistricting criteria because you know you can't create districts that are equally competitive, compact, incumbent blind. So we need to decide what's the priority, which of those nonpartisan principles should be the most important. So we will compile that testimony, put it in a report that we give to the Indiana General Assembly with the message, this is what Hoosiers want to see in our new congressional maps, in our new state legislative maps. That testimony, that report to the General Assembly will also be the basis for the rules that will govern the public mapping competition. We're working with a group of folks at Tufts University to create a public mapping website. Anybody in the state of Indiana with the interest, inclination, and time will be able to log on to this website and draw new maps for Congress and the state legislature, and we're going to have a competition. And we want to find the person who best fulfills the criteria that we outlined in our report to the General Assembly, and we will use those maps to compare and contrast what the General Assembly comes up with to show, I think, that our process is superior and our process produced maps that are good for voters. I think we all expect that the maps coming out of the General Assembly will be good for members of the General Assembly, but not necessarily so good for voters. So we thought it was important to have a process that was transparent, open, welcoming of citizen participation, and that also created an alternative to the very partisan driven maps that will come out of the Indiana General Assembly. You know, for too long, legislators have just had a monopoly on this process. They haven't led anybody into it. And over the years, as we tried to reform redistricting, they were very resistant to changing that process. So the idea is create a demonstration process that will help us when we come back next year and try to reform redistricting again, that will help that argument, but will also help produce better maps this year. Because remember, these maps for Congress and for state legislature will be in play for the next decade. They will have an incredible impact on who gets elected in our state, both to Congress and the state legislature, and obviously who gets elected to those offices impacts what issues get dealt with in Indiana and how they get dealt with. So, you know, over the past decade, there's been a lot of frustration in all corners of our state about a lot of different issues, public education, some social justice issues, healthcare, uh, the environment. A lot of people feel that we're either standing still or we're going the wrong direction. So I think redistricting Form has a lot to do, not just with, you know, who controls the state house, who represents us in Washington, D.C., but the issues. And is Indiana going to go forward? Or are we going to stay in place? So it's a really incredibly important issue. And we're excited about this project. I think we're at a point in Indiana's evolution that Hoosiers are ready to have this, this discussion about redistricting and um, we need to hear from them. That's awesome. I am so excited about this. You know, this is just, it's such a brand new idea 
that we would have this, you know, citizen-driven uh, redistricting project going on. Um, and it, I'm, I'm just like thrilled to wonder what it will look like because I have no idea because we've never had anything like this before. So it will be brand new. So, and as you know, you know, right now, you know, like Marion County, which has more, you know, urban and has more uh, minority population, you know, it, they, it's like little pizza wedges, you know, so, so you take a little bit of the minority population in, in Marion County around Indianapolis, and then you bring in a large area of ur rural um, Indiana to kind of dilute the impact. So I guess um, one of the things I wonder is, you know, is that a, is that a reasonable, you've talked about um, compacted uh, districts and, and I'm not sure if I even really know for sure exactly what that means, but, um, but there is, I mean, this impulse for me anyway, to say, shouldn't a minority community be represented as that minority community? Shouldn't they be, you know, more impactful on the election of a representative for their district? But, but that falls into a, the taboo uh, compacting problem, is that right? No, I think actually those districts would be an example sort of of the opposite of compactness because they are, you know, sort of meandering from uh, one county into the other. I think really the discussion that that centers in on is communities of interest because what you've got in those districts and Marion County has several of them, but there are other examples in Allen County, in Lake County, uh, in some other places where you have two radically different communities, an urban and a rural or an urban and a suburban. Uh, those are two examples, uh, Senate District 26 here in uh, Indianapolis, and then it extends out into Greenfield, Indiana, which is really a very small town. It, it's not so suburban like many of the surrounding communities in Indianapolis, really retains a small town rural flavor. And the state senator, you know, the bulk of the population of that district is urban in Marion County, yet the state senator comes from Greenfield, this small, more rural type of atmosphere. And so it's a very huge challenge for this legislator to equally represent the constituents in his district because on issues like guns, I mean, you can have completely opposite opinions from the constituents. And so, and, you know, then there are other examples from here in Marion County where you have a suburban, a very wealthy area. For example, there's a district, I always forget the number, it's Senator J.D. Ford's district, um, goes from the manicured lawns of Westfield all the way down to 16th Street on the west side of Indianapolis, um, which is a long way from Westfield as the crow flies and a long way in a lot of other ways, just a, a very different community, socioeconomically, ethnically, just very, very different. And so that's one of the things when we have the conversation in, in congressional districts five and seven is we wanna hear from people in those districts. Is it appropriate to put you guys together? because it would seem that you have different interests, different concerns. And so that's a, a, a area where, you know, the recommendation could be um, this district needs to be reconfigured. And, and in the case of Senate District 
Senate District 26, the one that is the east side of Indianapolis and the small town of Greenfield, that's a really good example of that district was radically redrawn in 2011. And many of us believed it was radically redrawn to get rid of the incumbent. You know, that's the other thing that redistricting can be used for. Uh, it can be used to protect incumbents, but it can also be used to get rid of people who the wow. leadership decided, you know, we don't want you on our team anymore. We can't get rid of you it, with the election. So we'll just take you out with redistricting. That well, just how, how, how just... You know how just undemocratic inside you know, baseball, I mean, you know, based on personalities. You know, right? I mean, oh, person, you know, personality I, of the incumbent. Really, I how, how did that get you, in the mix? I guarantee you, there will be some people taken out that way this time around. No so, kidding. Yeah, it, yeah. But, you know, the district used to make sense because it used to start in Greenfield and go east, and so it was a rural district. It was a that um, the community of, of interests were compatible. And then, you know, for no good reason that we ever heard, it was completely flipped to be this weird urban rural district. And, you know, and, you and know, likewise, don't like, I mean, I get the message that rural uh, voters feel like they're not represented in their district. They which are. Is, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people in Indiana feel they aren't represented because they go to the uh, polling place in November and there's only one name on the ballot. That's what gerrymandering gives you is districts that are so uncompetitive that the minority party doesn't even bother to field a candidate in the general election. Now, actually, rural voters should not feel that way because they are actually overrepresented. Um, we did the numbers a few years ago. Now, I should qualify it by saying we have not done the numbers um, for the newly elected bunch in 2020, but we did in 2018. I'd be shocked if it was radically changed. Yeah. But um, the, the figures are that 72% of Hoosiers live in a metropolitan area. So an urban or suburban area surrounding a a, an urban area. Yet in the Indiana House of Representatives, only 56% of those elected officials came from a metropolitan area. Uh, mm -hmm. So significant, um, you know, it gives a significant advantage to rural areas. And in, fa in fact, they are overrepresented. Uh, in well, the I think the um, supermajority, um, you know, it really is, um, misrepresented as well. Isn't that right? That, you know, uh, Democrats well, in Indiana are something like 48% um, identified Governor Holcomb Democrats. certainly, you know, won handily the last election, but he didn't win by set with 70% of the vote or 80% or of the vote, which are the margins that we have uh, both in our congressional delegation and in the Indiana House and the Indiana Senate. So certainly um, it could be argued and the Associated Press did an analysis again using the efficiency gap, this tool used to measure partisan gerrymandering. And they figured that um, in the House probably partisan gerrymandering was helping uh, Republicans win four or five more seats than would be uh, the case under more fairly drawn districts and a similar number in the uh, Indiana Senate. So, you know, clearly I, I think Indiana is 
tends to be a red state, but not three quarters red. Right. Um, I think that, you know, more natural um, division would be something like 45, 55, something like that. Uh, and, and, you know, these extreme super majorities lend themselves to, um, when you only have competition in the primary, we're seeing extremists elected to both Congress and the Indiana General Assembly. And, you know, I've been doing this work for a long time and it seems to me that most Hoosiers are moderates. Um, so I, I think, you know, even Republicans feel uh, that they're not really represented because the people who are getting elected tend to be from the extreme edges of their party. Right, well, I, and as you know, I, you know, I worked with um, 29 outstanding, wonderful women candidates um, in the 2020 election. And um, it was just alarming, the, the, the extreme uh, candidates um, who won those races. It was just unbelievable, really unbelievable. Um, but I do wanna you know, at least um, talk about how important it is uh, to fill those, ballot, <laughs> fill those ballots on both sides, um, even though it does not, um, even though it, does, you know, it doesn't look like a hopeful uh, opportunity um, it is still so important. It is really, a, you know, frankly, a civic responsibility in my mind um, to have uh, both a Democrat and a Republican on the ballot in every race. Uh, and that is one of, again, the challenges that has resulted from, you know, the poor redistricting uh, that we're right. living with. So, um, and it would, I think it would give hope to so many people considering a run to see this new map, to see this, um, you know, the new, what the district should look like. And I am just, uh, I'm so hopeful that it will have the impact that it deserves. Uh, many other states have, um, you know, through court orders required legislatures to go back and redo. Um, and we didn't get that. And so this is really the closest thing we have to a kind of a, a redo. Um, I wanna to talk too about the commission that you've um, put together, I think is terrific. And um, I know uh, I wanted to do it, but I couldn't because I'm a public official. I sit on a school board. So, um, so, and I just want to say, I know that you, somebody said you received like 300 applications from around the state. Almost 276. So we were very pleased by that number. And let me tell you, we could have populated three commissions with the high quality candidates we had. Uh, in fact, we hadn't planned on doing this, but we created both a legal team and a tech team that will advise the commission from people who had applied. I mean, again, we just didn't wanna lose the talent. So we needed to find a way for them to participate. So we've got just some awesome people who again, what they want are fair maps. They're people right. who political backgrounds who are politically active. I mean, one of our members is the former Republican mayor of LaPorte, Lee That's Morris. Right. I know him. Yeah. And Lee has worked, you know, at the grassroots for us for a long time, building support for redistricting reform up in that part of the state. Um, we've got the former uh, Hamilton County prosecutor, who is one of our neither Republican nor Democrat members, uh, Sonia Learcamp. So we were really excited to have so many Hoosiers raise their hand and say, yeah, I want to be a part of this effort. That's amazing. It's going to be an amazing commission. Um, but they are not going to actually draw the map. Is that right? No, no. They're we're just going to set up the this. parameters. We're they 
they they will decide, okay, it's competition and compactness or vice versa, incumbent blinds the most um, important criteria. They will listen to the testimony and decide, okay, this is what we heard from uh, Hoosier voters. So these are going to be the things that we are looking for. And then we're going to open it up and say, hey, Hoosiers have at it. Um, draw those maps, submit them. We'll be offering a cash prize. And so we think it'll be well worth your effort uh, to take the time to do this. And again, there have to be more than one or two options on the table. Um, you know, you can literally draw thousands of different iterations of maps. Uh, some, of them, uh, some of them will be good for voters. Some of them will be good for politicians. So let's get as many different options on the table as possible and have, again, a multipartisan group of voters that are representative of Indiana voters be the ones who sit in judgment, okay, this is the best map. So I like that. I like the idea of, I mean, because now that I'm sitting here with you thinking about what would I want to see, um, you know, one of the things that irritates me is that my county is split in half. And, and so the congressional district is the northern half of LaPorte County is in uh, uh, INO1, the southern half is in INO2. And the, you know, the Senate is the Senate, the House, uh, sorry, State Senate uh, district is, you know, like a couple of blocks from me and it goes south. I mean, and and there and none of it is the same. That is another irritating thing. Anyone who's worked on political campaigns, you know, the 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 squiggly line for the house representative district is different than the squiggly line for the state senate district is different from the congressional district. And that is just, you know, and you can't you can't make a map that overlays all those all those districts that you could possibly use. And it is just very, very frustrating. So, so that's something that I would want. I would want, I think I would want my county to be together, even though it is quite diverse. And, it, and that's why it got split because um, Northern Laporte County is more urban, um, higher right. minorities uh, numbers. And so um, more democratic leaning and uh, the Southern is um, more uh, rural and Republican leaning. And so they split it, but you know, just as someone who's, you know, who's like, it's so imagine myself as a representative, if, if I could say I represent LaPorte County, wouldn't that be nice to say, you know, everybody knows what that means um, right. as opposed to I, I represent, well, that house over there, but then no, not all of LaPorte County and a, and a little bit of Porter County, you know, um, that would be something that's important to me. Yeah, it's, a, it's extremely confusing to voters. I mean, I was uh, doing a presentation to uh, the League of Women Voters in Kokomo a couple of weeks ago, and we I asked them, so what congressional district is Kokomo in? And they're like, well, it all depends. And where is the line? And we're not sure. And that's crazy, you know, that yeah. Kokomo easily fits inside a congressional district that has, you know, 700,000 people in it. So again, maybe it makes sense to divide Kokomo, but I'd like to hear the explanation. So this is exactly yeah. the kind of you know, discussion that we wanna have at these meetings. Does it make sense? Is it a community of interest thing that is the overriding concern in LaPorte County and should keep these two things, these two communities separate? Or does that create too much voter confusion and would it be better? And, and you know, again, that decision 
all that should be generating from the voters who live there, not a handful of politicians down in Indianapolis who don't really know much about LaPorte County. Yeah. So tell me um, the timeline. So when do you expect the commission um, to you know, finalize their parameters? Well, we'll do that. That's the one part I can tell you because you know the census data is going to be delayed. And so the second part of our project, the public mapping, um, that's kind of a big question mark because we are dependent on census data just like the General Assembly is. And you know they finally admitted last week that it is going to come out so late that they will not be able to draw maps during the regular session, which has to adjourn by April 29th. That's great news for us um, yeah. because we one of our ask had always been to do maps in a special session. Redistricting is so important. It's so all encompassing. It's automatically gonna take back seat to the budget because it has to be done during a budget uh, creating year. Um, so, you know, this is one COVID-19 silver lighting that uh, we're getting is the census day will, census delays will allow us to really shine a spotlight on um, uh, the redistricting process. So we're going to start the public meetings into February. We're starting down in Congressional District 7, the Indianapolis Urban District, and then going to kind of work out from there. We will finish those meetings the end of March. Uh, we're doing a couple of week, a week uh, throughout February and March. So we'll have our report written and delivered to the General Assembly before they adjourn in April. Uh, so that will set the parameters. We'll start training people on the redistricting software at our public mapping website, get you tooled up and learning how to use it, obviously won't be fully functional until we get the census data dropped in. And we're thinking that'll probably be sometime this summer, likely late June, July. Um, so that gives us a lot of time though, to continue talking about this, to continue to educate uh, Hoosiers about what's gonna be going on and you know the importance of paying attention and hopefully uh, getting a lot of people utilizing the website and competing in our mapping competition and getting lots of good examples on the table. So um, the software will, I hope, will be pretty user-friendly. You know, I love puzzles, um, you know, so does that mean I could do it? It's, <laughs> Is that enough? It's very user-friendly. I mean, I'm, I'm a total, you know, Luddite when it comes to technology. It's very intuitive. And again, we will be doing uh, trainings, live trainings. We're also talking with some folks, a uh, guy in South Bend who does educational videos. Uh, so we'll have a video on demand for training. But yeah, it, it's just literally you got a little hand and you've got the uh, geography and you go out and you grab, you know, it's organized by census blocks and precincts. So you're able to just start building it. You've got tabs on the side that will keep track of your population, your racial breakdown, because you got to, you know, check that stuff for the Voting Rights Act. Uh, we're going to layer in all different kinds of community of interest uh, data. For example, school districts are yeah. an important community of interest in some communities. So you'll be able to, you know, tell where that community of interest is. And um, so, yeah, it, it, I, again, I think it's very user-friendly 
And we're certainly gonna do what we can to provide all the training so that anybody who's interested feels confident in their ability to uh, use it to draw a legal map. Excellent. And so, um, and I, I, I think I'd heard something before that there'll be some, uh, some tools and there'll be um, some uh, planning to go into schools and allowing students to participate in this in teams. Well, um, unfortunately, the timing on that's getting a little oh, right. since the uh, census delay. Yeah, we had some great hopes on that. But the good news is that this can also be used next year when local governments start to do redistricting. And so, you know, okay. you can say this at the local level. And I do need to give a shout out to the city of Bloomington because you know, they were one of the 33 communities like Michigan City, like LaPorte, like LaPorte County um, that passed resolutions calling on the state to pass redistricting reform. Bloomington followed that up by passing a local ordinance, creating a citizens redistricting commission that will draw, draw new maps for the city council in Bloomington. And we hope that replicated all across our state. You know, that's another organizing tool. Uh, hopefully redistricting reform could bubble up from the local level. Uh, if we have all of these local governments showing the state legislature, hey, we're willing to do this for our races. Why aren't you willing to do it for your seats? Uh, so I think are there other cities that are doing that too? Are there cities that well, have passed that ordinance? Not yet. Bloomington's the first, but we're hoping to sort of in the time that there's the lull between we finish our public meetings with the Citizens Commission and we jump into the public mapping competition, we hope to get grassroots activists lobbying their local elected officials to pass these ordinances like Bloomington did. Because again, uh, 33 local communities stood up and said, hey, state legislature, you should do this. So they should certainly be willing then to do it themselves. So, and will they use um, that same tool? They can, yeah, we, we have it available. Um, you know, it will just be a matter of keeping the website funded, but I don't think, again, if we have a really nice success uh, with our state legislative and congressional mapping, I certainly think there will be people out there who want to keep this going. So again, it's, it's all about really making communities engaged in the process of redistricting. And in some ways that's easier to do at the local government level. So yeah, this tool, um, it's too good to let go. We, we, we need to keep it around for a while uh, because it's just a great you know, educational and organizing tool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a great puzzle, you know, to mess with. Um, so I have another question. It, do, is it your hope that your state districting uh, map is done before the state legislature's map is completed? Or is that? It, well, yeah, I mean, obviously um, about the same time. I mean, again, we are constrained by when we can get access to the census data and we won't be getting it any time before the legislature, I would expect at approximately the same time. But we want our maps to be part of the debate. You know, yeah. Yeah. there will be House Republicans, there will be House Democrat, there are Senate Republicans, Senate Democrats, but there needs to be the people's maps. That's right. And that's, so right. that's the void that our competition is intended to fill. 
That's great. Okay, well, we're about out of time. So I just want to thank you so much, Julia, for all of this information. You have got so much going on. And um, these are all such great tangible ways to improve our legislature and our state, uh, the legislation that ends up getting passed. So um, uh, great, great calls to action. So, you know, get in touch, go to those congressional district meetings and talk about what is important to you uh, at you, how you want to see your district drawn and then pay attention as the, uh, as the parameters are set out, get ready for the software, get your puzzle brain on and start drawing a map. And then um, in the meantime, also go to your city councils, town councils, city councils, and uh, ask them to pass ordinances to use this tool and the citizen driven uh, redistricting uh, process to redraw city municipal uh, maps. That is just incredible. All kinds of great actions. So, all right, thank you again, Julia. Any final words of wisdom? Please just go to commoncause.org slash Indiana for scheduling on the uh, public meetings, the virtual public meetings in the congressional districts. Uh, you can also track progress on this at allinfordemocracy.org. That's the coalition website. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. And You're I welcome. hope that we'll be checking back with you as this progresses. All right. Hope to see you at those uh, virtual meetings. Absolutely.